to find out the truth, what happened, what went wrong, what can you do again to make sure that no human being ever has to endure the suffering that her um, beautiful daughter, sister had to endure. Hi, welcome to the Death of My, the podcast. Before we get started, today's episode is sponsored by Newsly. For the first time in the history of the internet, the web becomes listenable. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android. It picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. Browse and listen to articles from topics such as entertainment, sports, and business. Stop scrolling and start listening. They have podcasts as well. Explore trending podcasts from over 40 countries. Our podcast, The Death of My, is on there too. Download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me or from the link in the description and use promo code DEATH2021 and receive a one-month free Newsly premium. Unlimited listening, unlimited skips, ads-free audio. That's newsly, N-E-W-S-L-Y dot M-E. Use promo code DEATH2021 for one month free Newsly premium. Hi, it's your dad. Just call me and say hi. Check it up and see how you're doing. I hope all is well. Everything's pretty much the same here. I'm doing okay. Love you. Hi, <laughs> I'm so glad that we get to do this. Um, if you wouldn't mind sharing what your name is, where you live, what you do, kind of just the basics. Uh, well, it's great to be here and it's great to meet you, Donna. Um, my name is Maven Brown. I am 42 years old. I live in Armagh in Ireland. Um, I'm originally from County Tyrone, um, neighbouring counties, um, and I'm married to Kevin. We have a son, Sean, and I have a son, Pierce, from a previous relationship as well. How old are they? Sean is almost 12 months. He'll be 12 months next month, and Pierce is... Pierce is 21, so there's there's quite a gap. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Um, and I kind of start off all of these the same way, and it's it's who died. Okay. Um, so my sister, youngest sister, Trina, died um, in February 2017, the 27th of February 2017. She was 34. Um, and she was the youngest of four years. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, you, what's really cool is how I found you was you started this Instagram, the Sibling Grief Club. And, and I'm kind of curious if we can start from kind of your relationship with her and, and what happened and, and where you were at at the time all the way up until just like kind of gradually go through and then get to where you're at now but if you wouldn't mind sharing kind of uh like not only what happened but where were you at the time and how did you find out and all of that okay so uh trina was as i said she was the youngest of four years she was totally amazing the most energetic caring funny um, generous person you could ever hope to meet. 
Um, her and I were extremely close. We shared a lot of interests. Uh, we shared a lot of mutual friends. Um, even though it was four years difference in us, I was four years older. She sometimes felt like the older sister. She was quite wise. Uh, we sort of own soul for her for her years. Um, and I really looked up to her. I really respected her. Um, she was so supportive. She was like my number one cheerleader. You could just count on her to be there um, through all of life's uh, ups and downs. Um, we shared all those together. And um, I suppose Trina had uh, Crohn's disease, mm. um, a disease of the bowel. And she had been sick a lot throughout her 20s. But gradually she was getting that under control. And um, um, just before she died in 2017, um, she had been having a relatively good spell. I had got married in 2016. She was my bridesmaid. Um, and in October, she went on holiday with her friend and complained um, of some issues uh, with her bowel again and came home and saw, saw her uh, consultant who um, put, just put it down to a bug. So that went on um, really from then, from October 2016 to till Christmas. And she just got sicker and sicker and by Christmas she was really, really ill. Um, and so she started uh, going to doctor's uh, appointments. They were convinced it was a, a gastro bug is what they were calling it, a really crappy bug that people get in the winter here. Mm. And um, she wasn't really getting any answers and she would say to me, oh my God, like, am I just a real complainer? Um, you know, nobody seems to really be taking me seriously and I can't get any answers and I'm just getting sicker and sicker. And she, she had lost a lot of weight um, as well. And um, this went on then until February, the 17th of February. And we brought her, just finally rang an ambulance. We're just like, this is ridiculous. She's been severely, violently ill every day. And it just went from there, just that they were still treating her for a bug, put her on anti-sickness medication. Um, and look, it, it just didn't go well. She, over the weekend um, in, in the hospital that she was in, you don't have consultants um, on all week they work Monday to Friday nine to five and when she deteriorated um, to the point where we were really scared um, there were no medical professionals there qualified enough to make decisions that um, would help her and despite our pleas and, and, and begging for intervention some help um, when it when it finally arrived uh, it was too late. Um, we finally got her into intensive care at 12 a.m. Um, on the 27th of, of February. And they just, whenever we finally got in to see her, they just said, look, she should have been here three days ago. Um, and there was nothing more they could do. So 
Trina passed away at um, a quarter past four on that morning. Um, and we since learned through her uh, post-mortem or, or autopsy that she actually died of a blockage in her bowel. And had she had an operation to remove that, um, she may well have been saved. Um, so we were all there. We were with her um, right up until the end. I had, I had no idea. Like I said, I said earlier about her being my cheerleader. It, it worked the same way with me. Um, I was hers, so I was busy telling everybody that you know, including her, um, that she was going to be fine and that she wouldn't die and. Uh, it, right up until she took her last breath, I just, I just couldn't believe that this was happening. That, um, that she was just going to die and had died right in front of me. Um, and I think uh, it took a long time for that to, to sink in. That, you know that that she had, that despite us uh, pleading with doctors and nurses to please do something, mm. uh, that they didn't. Um, it was just so difficult. And there's an expression, and I'm sure it's used widely, mm. where someone um, is fighting for their life and... I always took that to be, you know, like an internal thing. And, and Trina did fight for her life. Um, but I never, ever imagined that I would have to not physically fight, but verbally fight for um, medical professionals to, to do their job, to yeah. save your sister and tell, your, tell the medical professionals that, she was actually struggling to breathe by herself. Um, they didn't believe that. And that was really, really difficult. Um, trying to convince someone that, like, I'm not a doctor. I have absolutely no medical um, knowledge at all. But I knew my sister and I knew that she was really struggling. Um, and, and that was the fight. The fight was between... Trina had obviously her own internal one, but us, the family, were fighting like doctors and nurses. It was just yeah. really, really just your worst nightmare. You know, thinking you were in the right place to have her life saved. But it was actually the opposite for us. I couldn't even imagine. I mean, the, right, like there's so many emotions. First off, you just want to be there. You want to say that, you know, be strong for her, but then you're sad and then you're angry at them. And I, I couldn't even fathom everything you were going through. I, I'm curious, how were you there by yourself or was there people there with you? No, no, my parents... Um, my son Pierce was there. They were like they were like brother and sister. 
-hmm. and my two sisters, so Edel is the oldest, and my younger sister, uh, Kathy, was there um, as well. And then there was a priest, which I was really pissed off about because in my in my denial, uh, I was like, who the hell rang him? You know, what were you doing here? And he was trying to get us out of the room. It was just, it was just so surreal, so completely crazy. You know, even yeah. like saying it now, it just, it seems so unbelievable, you know, that, you know, do people believe me that this is the truth when I'm saying this? Like, but he was trying to put us out of the room with her and the nurses were literally the the intensive care nurses and doctors were literally pulling us back into the room because obviously they knew um that that she was dying at that point and they were giving her morphine to help her cope with the pain so as they upped the morphine they knew that that she was dying but obviously the priest didn't so it was just a mess yeah, a mess, complete and utter. It was chaos. Um, so, yeah, we were all there together. Um, we were all there with her. Um, but, yeah, we couldn't We couldn't actually hold her or touch her. And that's a big thing here in Ireland, that when um, people are dying, that you sort of nurse them and, and cradle them um, sort of out of this world, much the same way as you do sort of um, cradling them, cradle a baby um, as it comes into the world. Um, but we couldn't touch her because she was just in so much pain. Mm. So that was really difficult. Um, but yeah, it, it does give us a, a bit of comfort that she wasn't on her own. We were with her yeah. all the time. Yeah. Kind of fast forwarding the next, even the next couple of days, the next couple of weeks. What was that like for you, your family? Did it bring you guys closer together? Was there a lot of fighting or arguing? Kind of what was happening then? Uh, so in Ireland, the um, funeral takes place um, really sort of quickly um, after a person dies. So within 48 hours um, normally, but because Trina's death was... Um, out of the ordinary, I suppose. Um, she had to go for a, a post-mortem or an autopsy. Mm -hmm. and so we didn't get her home um, for what we call the wake um, before the funeral. So we would get her um, remains, her body home in a coffin. Um, and that didn't happen until the Wednesday. So there were like two days of just I suppose in shock but you go into like autopilot where you have to uh, do loads of jobs so you know you have to appoint an undertaker you have to book the church and um, you have to um, you know sort of deal with all the all the um, sort of coroner's um, legal side of things um, and arranging to, to get her to get her home so we spent um, a couple of days doing that and and again in Ireland like your whole community your whole family friends um, they all just come to the house and they're there with you 
mm. every step of the way. So a lot of the organization of the wake, um, the logistics of it, um, it probably sounds a bit crazy to your listeners, Daniel, but you have to organize sort of uh, marquees, uh, catering, uh, transport for people to the wake. And we live in a very rural area, so um, the roads, uh, you know, you have to be transported by um, minibus and um, from from a car park to to where we live. Yeah. So a lot of that um, was dealt with by by our amazing family and friends, and we were just sort of swept along with all of that. There was a lot of a uh, lot of hullabaloo, a lot of busyness going on, um, but we were in a daze, like just like completely and utterly shell shocked. Um, we we're also probably uh, and and probably still are quite traumatized by you know the events that that led to Trina's death. Um, so it was just uh, it was just a nightmare, absolute nightmare. Um, but we're a very very close family. Mum and dad um, instilled great values. We all have have great resilience, good coping skills. We were always sort of taught to be independent and, and strong and uh, family is really, really important to us. So there was never any fallouts. It was mm. just supporting each other, holding each other up. So when one would really struggle and break down, the, the rest would rally. Um, and that's that's really the way it has been from that day um, to now. Um, where we're just we're just there for each other. So um, we organised her funeral. She had an amazing funeral, um, and that was on the Friday. So she had passed away early on the Monday morning. We had her funeral on the Friday, and our house never really emptied. People, callers, visitors, keep coming for months and months after. Um, which was really exhausting. Um, <laughs> I, I really felt like you, you know yourself, Daniel. Grief is completely and utterly exhausting. Like a, just yeah. one crying session makes you want to crawl into bed. Yeah. So trying to uh, host guests um, and do all of that was was really was really difficult. But I'd say it was probably around the four month mark. Um, they, these people were calling to see my parents, yeah. um, and I, I had sort of I had stayed at home uh, with them. I didn't go back to work for about six months, just because I wasn't able to. Yeah. So I was I was at home, sort of taking care of them, taking care of the house, the you know the chores, the shopping, um, all of that. Um, but after about the four month mark, we noticed that you know people were slowly stopping and coming around and and that um and look you know the 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 support that we did have from them and those four those people calling in those four months was priceless it really really was and and we were so glad of them i hated seeing people leaving but it was pretty uh, exhausting at the same time um but i was also always very conscious that people didn't really ask 
me or my two sisters how we were um when they were when people were talking to us they asked us automatically how are your parents um and i think i i think that's a there's there's maybe two reasons for that i think number one some people think that losing a brother or a sister just isn't as bad as other types of loss um, you know that a parent losing a child is the worst loss you could ever experience and of course it's absolutely awful and horrendous you know it's just that's not the way it's supposed to be and um, my parents were equally as devastated um, as us um, but I don't think there's a hierarchy in, in grief. Um, I think that the, the loss is very much dependent on the relationship. And we were all extremely close to each other, but we were all very, very close to Trina. Um, she was the baby. We just doted on her. We, you know, we idolize her, really. Um, and uh, therefore, we all felt the loss um, on a huge life-changing scale um so that was one of the reasons but I also think um another reason is is that when people ask about how our parents were it was a way of avoiding our grief because it was so huge I you know I realized that like that tsunami of grief that was I felt sort of emitting from me um every day every minute of every day I just felt I felt it was like a force that went out in front of me so I was always very conscious that 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 was a massive thing to sort of put in front of anyone else um, a, a professional would would struggle um with that volume and um depth of grief I I, I feel so um I think that may be a reason why people ask how your parents are because it's a diversion from your own the magnitude of your own grief if you like yeah yeah i it is so so crazy like i there i mean there's so much i i wish that we can just like keep unraveling because like i i guess for me personally like tied to my dad and there's a lot of anger involved for things that happened and I'm and like I'm sure with you there's like there's like this anger right that's associated with it that like I almost always want to like turn away you know what I mean like I always just want to like like not think about that because that just really makes me upset is like there's like this thing attached to it do you feel that still do you feel that like there's like this part of anger that you have whether it's with the doctor's hospital or anything like that that you just ignore and if so like how how do you ignore it yeah it's funny because um in my previous life which is before um trina died i could be quite i'm a a redhead from this but (laughs) um i it's not that I had like a really bad temper, but um, I was always a very passionate person um, and especially about injustices in, in the world or, you know, even in school, you know, things like that. Um, and I always expected 
that, that same sort of um, reaction um, to come, like an, an angry reaction, but it really genuinely hasn't, Danielle. And mm. I really struggle with that because I know I am. I know I am so angry that she's not here because she should be. And I am so angry that medical professionals refuse to do their job um, to save her. Um, but it has never, as you say, it, it has never broken the surface, if you like. Yeah. It's there, but it's lying sort of um, dormant at the minute. <laughs> I just be so afraid that, oh my God, when is this going to come? Because um, it, it, it'll be it'll be probably really big um, as well. But I think maybe the reason for that is because we're still going through the coroner's court. So there's been an, an inquest into her death because there there is a, a feeling from the coroner's office that there was negligence, that there was... Um, maybe like malpractice um, that that led to her death. We as a family definitely witnessed that, but it's now going through the legal courts. Um, through like right, no, right now? Right now, yeah. Wow. But because of COVID, that has all sort of stalled um, yeah. at the minute. But it's, it's a really long, drawn-out process. Um, Trina's case is quite complex, Um and it's it's just going to take it's just going to take time, and I think possibly that uh, I haven't sort of got to the anger stage yet because that is still ongoing, and I'm sort of I suppose the lead uh, person in the family that has taken that that on. So I liaise with the with the coroner's court. I I do all the the legal side of things with with our lawyers um, and I think I can't to do her justice to get her answers I have to contain that that emotion and that anger um, to to allow me to do that um, to get justice for her basically because I feel, and, and our family very much feel, that she never got any answers when she was alive. And she knocked on a lot of doors to try and get to the bottom of, of what was happening um, and felt like a nuisance because of that. Um, and, yeah, I just think that's unforgivable. So I'm going to do everything in my power to um, not um, seek vengeance or anything like that, but just to find out the truth, what happened, what went wrong, what can you do again to make sure that no human being ever has to endure the suffering that her um, beautiful daughter, sister had to endure. Um, so I suppose I'm, I'm on a bit of a crusade, Daniel, and the anger is going to have to wait. Yeah. Um, obviously, the sadness is always there and I think um that that's that's always going to be there and I and I can't do as good a job at pushing that down um as I can with the with the anger. So um yeah there's there's a lot to grief, isn't there? There's a lot of 
facets um, to to this sudden, unexpected, um, needless death of, of someone. It's it's just very complicated uh, in so in so many ways. Yeah, I mean, I I like I mentioned, like there's anger with my dad, and I have so many. Uh, there's so much that happened because he fell and hit his head, but like where he fell was at this, he was like living at this special home. And there's just a lot of um, things that happened around his death that don't sit right with me. And there's like, it just kind of kept growing and growing. And of course, like, right when someone passes, right, you're trying to figure out everything all at the same time. And with this, I, not that I ignored it, but I just, I I just couldn't deal with it, right? Because I was like, you know, like, I'm the one that was like, figuring everything out so I just let it be and and I kind of just let it sit there knowing that like I could like I mean I don't know now because it's been a couple years but I mean I'm sure I could but pursue and try to figure out like what really happened so like just hearing you share that means a lot to me and like where you're at and what you're dealing with because you you like not only are you going through all of these emotions but you're still in it like it's still happening to this day and like it's what, four years of just nonstop. I, I'm just so thankful that you're even taking time to share about this because a lot, I, you know, you're not the only one. I'm sure, I'm sure so many people are just like, what is going on? It, you know, and, and so thank you. Thank you for that. Um, do you have a favorite memory with her? Um, oh, I have so many um, <laughs> favorite memories. Um, oh, she was just, oh God, you know, she was just such a, an amazing person, like, you know, that she got so much joy from making other people happy. She really put us, her family, her friends, her work colleagues, everybody came before her. And she was, we have lots of like cousins, aunts and uncles, um, nieces and nephews and she used to like say for a birthday party um like she just went all out she would have been baking for days and uh, the whole house would have been decorated and she would have had made up all these like treasure hunts for the kids and she loved taking the kids on picnics and and to the beach and um she would have like say for friends of hers who had suffered a bereavement um Trina would have just went to their house and cleaned it from top to bottom she would have made sure they were fed um and just left again you know she would have slept in and just slept out again she she was very much uh uh altruistic person um and she did so much good and showed so much kindness um, in her life. I, I just can't pick one, but I am just so proud of the impact that she made while she was alive. Um, and I'm sure you find this with your dad, that following their death, you hear lots and lots of stories um, from other people about um things that they did that you knew nothing about and they might have had something to do with their work life or their hobbies or their friends and and things Trina was not 
boastful or anything like that. She was very, very loyal um, and would have kept um, confidence uh, very, very close. Um, so there was lots of things that we didn't know about her. And just hearing all those stories, you know, you just think, oh, my God, you were just one in a million. You really, really were. Um, but her and I shared a love of, of football um, and we call it here Gaelic football. And I know it's in um, America uh, as well. Um, obviously not on the same scale as in Ireland, um, but it's it's our national game. And her and I both played. And then in our sort of older years, when we hung up our, our boots, <laughs> we coached um, we coached teams. So we coached seniors, um, minors and, and the young kids and that. So we spent a lot of time working out training drills and, and going to matches and, and won. We were quite a successful management duo. She was very smart. Um, so though that was probably, God, that was such a long answer. I'm so sorry, Daniel. No. Uh, those were probably uh, my favorite memories. But just on that, I just, I think we express so much about the people we love after they day and we celebrate so much about them and their their qualities and, and all of that um but i think we need to get better at doing it in life um the people that we love we need to we need to tell them that we love them and we need to tell them why we love them we you know we need to tell them that we're grateful for them um what we learn from them i, I just feel that it's so important I, I don't have, have regrets as such um, because I, I told Rena every single day that I loved her, but I do regret not telling her how amazing she was often. Um, from time to time, I would say, you know, oh my God, you're some woman for one woman. That's a, an expression here as well. Um, and how do you do all the things that you do? And that was amazing and, and, and stuff like that. But I just, I would just love to sit her down now and say, um, I'm so proud of you. I'm so, so happy to be your sister. And, you know, you just taught us so much. And that's what keeps us, that's what keeps us going now is that we try to live our life in the same vein that that she did yeah. um, because as I say she taught us so well she sounds so special she really really was is <laughs> so as a result of everything that happened you started your own instagram for grief would you mind sharing a little bit about that and why you do it and kind of what's the hope for it Okay, so um, several months after Trina died, um, I was really struggling. Um, I was really struggling to come back um, to, to live with my husband um, in Armagh, which was about an hour away. Um, I just couldn't, I couldn't leave mom and dad. I couldn't leave home. That's just where I felt close to her. Um, and yeah, grief was just 
God, it was like nothing I had ever experienced before. Um, like my world just felt so alien. Nothing seemed familiar anymore. And for weeks and weeks, I tried to fix furniture and, and rearrange it the way Trina would have had it, thinking that that's what it was. But I, I realized... I realized several months down the line that the reason my world was out of sync was because she wasn't in it. Um, and that no matter how much I tried to fix furniture and that, that was never, that I was never going to change anything. So there was a bit of a realization there that, uh, you know, you can't fix grief. And that led me to, sort of search out help specifically for siblings. Like, um, why was I feeling the way I was feeling? Why did I feel so crazy? Why did I feel so afraid? The fear, the anxiety was just overwhelming. And I, I couldn't understand that. It was like I'd never lost anyone as close to me before. I had lost grandparents who had been ill um, and were expected um, today and obviously I was so sad and bereft when they died but this was just so it just felt so much more traumatic and horrific um, so I went online and searched out um, sibling grief uh, and sibling loss support and all I found was one book um, called Surviving the Death of a Sibling by T.J. Ray um, so there was no websites um nothing like that it wasn't even really I wasn't into Instagram then I was on Facebook um and I ordered the book but when the book came I couldn't read it it was just too much I, I still really struggle with reading um and that was something that I shared with Trina we we shared a love of reading novels um uh, going to plays things like that um and I think my love for that has died a little since she did. But uh, anyway, um, fast forward then uh, three years um, and last summer when, when COVID was like really bad, um, I was uh, pregnant with Sean and because everything had shut down over here, you couldn't see your GP, you couldn't um, see a midwife. Um, there were no antenatal classes on I had to go online so Kevin and I uh, we purchased an online course this amazing midwife uh, beautiful uh, lady called Beth um, from England took us through this online course you know it wasn't a one-on-one -on -one with her it was just a, a course that we signed up to and it was pre-recorded it was amazing it took you through each stage of your pregnancy right up to, to labour and, and birth. And it just dawned on me one day that, oh my God, if I had had something like this, something that explained what was happening, someone who could make sense of the chaos in my head, um, the fatigue, the fear, the confusion, the forgetfulness, all of those things, I genuinely thought, I really did think I needed psychiatric help. I, mm. I, I actually said that to friends. Um, and I realized that I actually didn't need psychiatric help. I just needed help 
to process grief. I needed to learn about grief. So I went back again online and, and specifically looked for courses, grief courses um, for uh, adult siblings who had lost a brother or sister. And there was absolutely nothing. There's a, there's a fantastic um, charity here called Jacinta Smile. And it's run by three sisters who have actually lost three siblings. Um, and their, their organization focuses on childhood sibling loss, which and they do amazing work. But I was so jealous that I found them, but uh, there was nothing for our age, you know, like we're 34, we're supposed to know how to handle all this <laughs> stuff. Um, and so then I set about just um, a talk to my family um, my mum and dad to see what they thought see what the other two girls thought and th they loved it they were like go for it so I was off on maternity leave I had lots of time so I set about just building the sibling grief page um, trying to connect with other people who were in the same boat as me and I quickly learned that there was a, a need for it um, now my the page is small but everyone who is on it is so engaged and honest and open about their losses and that they, they that they felt the same as me that um, siblings are often forgot about in the sort of grief journey um, and they never like me they sort of felt out of place a lot because when when you lose someone when you lose someone out of the natural order of things or you lose someone suddenly or unexpectedly before their time, you are a bit of an outsider. You really are, you know, because people don't know how to deal with you, basically. You know, there's an awkwardness, there's a taboo around it, um, there's a, an awful lot of avoidance. But if you throw the sibling relationship into the mix, you're, you're an absolute alien you know because people not very many people can relate um uh, to that and yeah that, as i said earlier this there seems to be like a hierarchy of grief where um siblings like someone at work actually said to me oh i didn't know you and your sister were close you know it, it, she was more or less saying god you're taking this very bad um, right must have been very close to her so uh yeah so this the sibling grief club is about making those connections with other bereaved adult siblings and uh supporting one another sharing sharing our stories um because as we say it on the page that our grief story or each of our individual grief stories will one day be someone else's survival guide. Mm. Um, and, and that's ultimately what, what, what we want to do is to provide a resource um, that means that people, siblings who come after us, never have to look into the abyss that we did, that there, that there is specific support and help there. So following on from the social media um, element of that, we are now just two weeks out from launching our website. Mm -hmm. so we have um, lots of resources and lots of um, 
tips and um, sort of other professional organizations and books and, and music and the website's just packed full of stuff that that helped us and that other people have since told us have helped them. Um, but we also have two uh, professional grief workers who have developed a course for us. Mm. Um, two amazing people, um, Brona and, and Paul. Uh, Brona is a psychotherapist and she's also a bereaved sibling. And Paul is a counsellor and meditation teacher. So, or a meditation guide, I should say. Um, so the course is very short. Um, it's purposely um, very short so that the overwhelmed, griefy, foggy, confused brain of someone who has lost someone they love um, can understand and that they can take it in because that's something that I really struggled with. I'm um, taking in lots of information at the one time um, for things just like even watching it, trying to f- watch a movie and follow the story. I was, and it, I did, was a bit of a movie buff um, <laughs> in my before life. But um, yeah, so they're small and bite size and manageable. Um, none of the none of the exercises or none of the courses are more than, than 10 minutes long and you can dip in and out. Um, so we've launched those on, on YouTube already um, just so that we could, you know, test everything. Yeah. Um, and then our website is going to be launched in two weeks time and we'll just, we'll launch everything um, there together. So look, I suppose in a nutshell, what we hope Sibling Grief Club does is provide resources to other bereaved siblings, but also to hold their hands through those crazy, crazy, um, griefy days, particularly um, in in the first couple of years. Um, So we're very excited about it. We're very proud of it. And we also think Trina would be very proud of it as well, because it's very much trying to replicate what what she held here. And that was um, helping people um, and, yeah, just kindness and showing people understanding that she was... She was a great confidant um, to her friends. Um, she was just a really loving and caring person. And, and we're trying to reflect all of that within within our wee club. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's all go from here. <laughs> That's so exciting. I'm just so glad that you're doing that. And, and not just for you and not just for helping, but like you're just creating another space for people to figure out how to grieve. And it's like, I, I realized that the biggest thing, the reason why I started all of this too, is because like people, we just aren't good at talking about it and there's not a lot out there to help. And so it's like, game on, you know, you, you said yes. And you're like, let's go. Like I, you want to create what people will need once they're grieving. So I'm so thankful for that. So thank you. Um, and, and, and my final question is, is if someone just lost their sister, what is something that you would want to share with them or something you'd want to tell them? Uh, The thing that I would want to share with them is that grief is love and you will grieve for as long as you will love that person. And that's 
to infinity and, and beyond. The reason it hurts so much is because you love them so much. Um, the reason it's so painful and difficult to understand and feels so chaotic for you is because this is the loss of a lifetime. When you lose a sibling, you lose shared memories from your childhood with someone who was there from the beginning. You lose your present, that person sharing your life and the here and now, the everyday things. Um, and you also lose that future um, as well. So there's a lot of grief um, coming at you, but the only way, the only way is through it. Mm. And the world won't be seen on the other side for sure. Um, but there is hope um, and talking is therapy without a doubt. Find a grief mate, find a grief buddy who will listen. Um, come on Daniel's podcast and, and tell your story because um, as I said earlier, our stories will become someone else's survival guide. So, um, and it also helps you on your survival journey too. Mm. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Like, I, I already know it's going to help a bunch of people. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I already know. So thank you so much. And crystal clear, understood every word. It was amazing. <laughs> Great. Thank I'm you. so worried. <laughs> no, it was perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you.